This is Storyline Gamer, and welcome to the Stream Coach Podcast, the show that helps you step up your game as a professional live streamer. And now, here's your host. She used to manage a professional Halo team, Ashney Christ. Hello, streamers. Welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. We're so excited to be here with you today. We're going to be talking about sponsorships today. This is a question that I get asked a lot, and that question is, how do I start looking for sponsors? What's the right time for me to reach out to someone, and what does that process look like? How do I actually get started? We're actually going to talk about all of that in this episode, and this is going to be really amazing because we're actually speaking to someone who works for a sponsorship platform. The platform is called PowerSpike, and it's all about connecting streamers of all sizes with different sponsors. If you haven't been to the site already, it's just powerspike.com. You can check it out and see what options are there that are available for you. But today we're going to be talking to Aaron Marsden, and Aaron is going to teach us a little bit more about sponsorships. Let's get into it, and I'll see you after the episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We have Aaron Marsden with us, who is the content and community manager at PowerSpike. And we're going to talk about sponsorships and how streamers can get sponsored and how we can price ourselves and all of that. So, Aaron, hello. How's it going? Pretty good. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah. I, I am, I'm pumped to talk about sponsorships today. Yay, I'm really pumped to have you here. So first off, tell us just about PowerSpike in general. What's it all about? Yeah, definitely. So PowerSpike, in a nutshell, is essentially a place where streamers can find and connect with brands for sponsorship opportunities. And it's also a place brands can go to sponsor live streamers to grow their brand. So essentially how it works is when a streamer signs up to our site, uh, they fill out some basic profile information. And they're, they're taken to a marketplace page, just like the PowerSpike marketplace. And from there, they can see all the sponsorship opportunities that other brands have posted onto PowerSpike. And they can apply to them, connect with brands that way. And um, after they send proposals, like what we call them, to the certain campaigns on PowerSpike, the brand can see those proposals on their end, accept or decline them. And then the brand can actually sponsor streamers directly through PowerSpike. So yeah, on the brand side, it kind of works like they'll sign up to the site, create a campaign that says, you know, inform streamers about their company, um, inform streamers about their sponsorship offer. That campaign will then be posted to our marketplace where streamers can apply to it. And it's it, we're pretty much like uh, a connector between the two uh, streamers and brands. So PowerSpike actually started um, out of a pain point. So a lot of the people at PowerSpike were actually previous streamers. So AJ, the guy who founded our company, he was a shoutcaster for like World of Warcraft tournaments back in the day. And um, he worked with a company who would take uh, for the prize pools of the esports tournaments. They would have like a $3,000 prize pool every, uh, every week or something like that. And uh, yeah, obviously that gets pretty costly for the company. So he was actually tasked with finding sponsorships for the esports tournaments that they run. And uh, I think like after sending 100 cold emails to brands or something like that, he got two rejection letters back and realized like how tough it was to 
connect with sponsors as a streamer and in the esports space. So that's pretty much why he started Power Spike. And yeah, that's pretty much Power Spike in a nutshell. Awesome. You guys also have an analytics section on your site, right? Yeah, we do. Awesome. So let's talk about that first, and then sure. we'll get into the like deep dive of sponsorships. Because analytics are like really powerful whenever it comes to making sponsorship deals, uh, what information do you all make available for streamers on the site? Yeah, so any of the analytics on our site serve two purposes. Firstly, to help like streamers gauge their stream growth and also to like track things that matter most to brands when they're making that higher business at first stream. So some of the analytics that we track on the site are things like average concurrency, which is like how many average viewers a streamer has in their stream on any given day. And average concurrency is like one of the main things brands look for when they're sponsoring a streamer. So it, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the guiding light, I guess you could say, for, for brands is how many average concurrent viewers does the person have. Um, we also track things like followers per day. So how many followers you're gaining on a daily basis. This is a, like a good growth metric for streamers to track to see, you know, how's their stream growing, how's it doing. And it's also recently a really important metric that brands look at. So when they want to develop relationships with streamers early, streamers who are high growth and who they think have a lot of potential, this is a metric that streamers can use to say, hey, you know, look at my growth. I'd like to develop a relationship with your brand because, you know, in a few months, you know, my stream is going to be a lot bigger than it is. Um, we also track things like most played games. So that's pretty, that's, that's pretty useful for brands uh, to like gauge viewer interests. So if somebody plays Call of Duty a lot, the brand knows like this person is interested in shooter games, et cetera, et cetera. It's really helpful for like indie developers or publishers. Um, some of the core metrics that we track are engagements and engaged viewers. So engagements are how many chat messages were sent in the entirety of a stream. And engaged viewers are how many viewers made up the total of that chat, of that you know total engagement number. So basically how that's used by brands is to kind of like track the engagement within a community. So how engaged is the streamer's community? How many people are actually talking in the chat? Things like that help brands tremendously when determining like if if a streamer has a positive community or if they have an active community that they can that they can work with. Um, one of our newer metrics that we're super excited about is stream sentiment. So we have a guy named Sam, and recently we just pushed out this thing, this uh, system that reads chat messages and determines how positive or negative they are based on the context of the message. So like if somebody puts a heart in the chat, our system knows like that's a positive message. Or if somebody puts like a, a dance game in the chat or something like that, our system would know that that's, that emote has a negative connotation. So stream sentiment is basically how positive or negative chat messages are on average. So not only does that help streamers gauge positive community growth, so is their streamer or is their community, you know, growing positively? Is are are they, you know, growing a, a good place for viewers to be in? And also it helps brands gauge whether a streamer's community is, is positive or negative, which obviously is is pretty important when determining, you know. Uh, when uh, whether to work with the streamer or not. Um, mm -hmm. And then lastly, we track things like link clicks and conversions. 
So link clicks is essentially how many clicks a streamer drove to a brand's website in past sponsorships. So we have a system on the site that allows brands to give streamers like tracking links that link to their website. And basically link clicks are sort of like a boiled down version of a marketing metric. So how many link clicks a streamer drove to a brand's website is sort of like how much traffic they drove to the website or how much attention they got to the brand. So we actually allow streamers to track those link clicks on their uh, past sponsorships. So they go to a brand and say, hey, you know, look at the results I drove to this brand. Look how much traffic I drove to the website. And that's something they could leverage in the negotiation process, basically. And then conversions, which we're adding pretty soon, would allow streamers to track actually how much product, uh, how much, how many purchases they drove to a brand. So basically what it is, the brand will put some code on their website and then the streamers can actually see from the tracking link that their viewers clicked, you know, how many people actually checked out the products, bought something theirself, et cetera. And then that's obviously very useful to brands. So they know exactly, you know, the results that that streamer got. So that's something they can leverage as well. And basically those are like our metrics boiled down. That's awesome. So out of all, let's, let's actually talk about um, smaller creators that are kind of like looking to get into sponsorships. Like they're kind of transitioning. Sure. They've, they've grown a, a bit of a base community. What kind yeah. of information do those people need to, to really know um, before they start to approach companies for sponsorships? Like what, what numbers and metrics should they just really have memorized to bring to these, these companies? So average concurrent viewership is like number one on that list. So knowing your average concurrent viewership, how many people on average watch your stream every day, um, that's, that's a really huge metric. Uh, and it's probably your, your best negotiation tool when reaching out to brands. Um, also, engagements and engaged viewers are super important. And also stream sentiment, if you're signed up to PowerSpike. Um, engagements and engaged viewers really give a feel for how active your community is. So a really cool thing that brands really like is a really active community because it shows that the streamer has a close connection with their audience and that people feel comfortable and, and they're chatting and they're active. So that's a really, really important thing for brands, uh, tracking those engagements, tracking those engaged viewers, and then if you have something like stream sentiment, you can show how positive or negative those are, which is obviously super useful to, uh, to leverage in the negotiation process. Uh, secondly, I would say one of the super important skills to have, especially when reaching out to brands, is like soft skills kind of along with negotiation. So knowing how to talk to people, even if it's over email or whether they want to hop into a call, knowing how to talk to people Knowing how to be a positive person or you know a good person uh, is super important, and this, these skills obviously carry over in, in every single aspect of life. But having those locked down is super important. Um, professionalism is also good. So knowing you know when you reach out to a brand, being professional is good. Um, too much professionalism can come at a fault sometimes. So I like to say like showing personality in there as well. So personal. Professionalism mixed with personality is kind of like the sweet spot uh, for those. And then obviously negotiation skills are important. So when you reach out to a brand or you make an offer, or if a brand reaches out to you through your stream, 
uh, a lot of the times, or not a lot of the times, but it's not always going to go exactly how you want it to. So you're not always going to get the deal that you want on the first go. And having the ability to maneuver through that situation and kind of come to an agreement with the brand where both sides are happy and doing that in an efficient and I guess you could say elegant manner is that's a huge skill to have. And again, all of these things I'm, I'm listing out here, they, you know, each of these skills carries over so much into, you know, real life too. So I, I definitely would recommend, you know, if your negotiation skills are lacking, if you haven't read anything about it or practiced it at all, definitely recommend going out and practicing that and, uh, and just reading about it. Um, third, I would say a general knowledge of marketing terms like traffic and conversions, like the stuff we talked about in the analytics, is helpful. Because a lot of the times a brand might come to you and if you've been sponsored in the past, they might ask you, how much traffic did you drive to a website or how many conversions did you drive to a website? And just knowing basic terms like that, being able to answer those questions is just gonna help that process go smoothly. So for anyone who doesn't know or didn't catch the last part, traffic is pretty much how many people you drove to a website and conversions would be how many people you've got to actually purchase the brand's products. So yeah, those are the things I, I would say. Yeah, that's make. awesome. I, you know, I didn't really think to ask about negotiation skills, but you're right. That is like a huge part of the process because you want to make sure that, that you're getting a good deal, but then also it should be a mutually beneficial relationship. So we'll have to talk about that here in a little bit whenever that comes up again, because that is super, sure. super massive, but let's actually get into like the, the, depth of our conversation today, which is sponsorships. Um, can you just give us like a, an overall just explanation of what a sponsorship is? Definitely. So a sponsorship is basically an agreement between a brand and a streamer that says the streamer will promote the brand to their audiences and encourage their audiences to check the brand out. And in return, the streamer will receive some form of compensation for promoting the brand. So many sponsorships, like they serve to expose a brand to a new audience or to increase sales or whatever the brand's goals may be to a brand's products. And, and for the streamers, it's a way to like monetize their content and support themselves as they either, you know, attempt to go full time or they are full time. Um, in a nutshell, they, they basically allow streamers to leverage their audiences to support the marketing goals of a brand as well as to support themselves. So that's basically what. Yeah, it's I kind would. of it's kind of like advanced or intermediate level stuff, I would say, because it's it's definitely not something that you should be approaching whenever you kind of don't have the numbers yet for it. Would you say that that's right? Like, do you think that a streamer shouldn't really worry about sponsorships until they grow the the viewership, the like consistent average or average concurrent viewers? Definitely. So I think there's actually, yeah. So one of the things, this has been a, a definitely a topic, a hot topic lately. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when should you pursue sponsorships or, or are you ready to pursue sponsorships? Um, I think just recently Twitch creator camp, are you familiar with that at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Twitch creator camp actually just released um, like a, a segment on sponsorships. And for the longest time, the, we at PowerSpike kind of strayed away from that question because we weren't really sure what size, you know, is actually appropriate for streamers to go after sponsorships. But in the creator camp, 
Twitch essentially broke that and, and kind of set the first expectation for that. So they set, according to the, to the Twitch creator camp, um, about 100 average concurrent viewers is when they say, you know, starting to look for sponsorships makes the most sense. So, um, yeah, for, for Twitch, it's 100. But for us at PowerSpike, we've worked with a ton of streamers in the past. And um, what we've seen, or I guess the number that we would recommend, is we kind of lowered that down to, to 50 average concurrent viewers. Because we had worked with a ton of smaller streamers, especially when PowerSpike first started. And what we saw was brands are more than willing to work with some, some smaller streamers, even at 20 concurrent viewers, 20 to 50 concurrent viewers. So yeah, I, I think it does make sense to wait a little while and grow that audience. And we definitely encourage people to grow their audiences a little bit before they start pursuing sponsorship opportunities. Um, but I think a good threshold, if you, if you even want to put a threshold to it, I think a good threshold would be 50 concurrent viewers. Yeah, I think that's a good time to really like get started at least thinking about it, right? Maybe yeah. maybe not necessarily reaching out to all of these larger opportunities, but there are absolutely some brands that you just see literally all over the place on Twitch that will that's work nice. with a ton of people, like regardless of size. Their idea is that they kind of think that um, Twitch Twitch creators, right, and just content creators in general, if you invest in them early and you kind of build that brand loyalty, I feel like that's what a lot of them are really going for because they know that like the creators are going to grow and Twitch as a whole is gonna keep growing as well um, and content creation in general. So I think a lot of them are like, let's just get our stuff in front of as many people as we possibly can. We'll just like, Soylent's just like, let's send everybody Soylent, here you go guys. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean. Growing those relationships, especially on both streamers, on both the streamer and brand side, growing the relationships, especially with influencer marketing, is like hugely important. And I think a lot of brands are starting to realize that now. That even though a creator might be small at one time, Twitch is growing super fast. I mean, the numbers numbers don't lie. I mean, it's it's growing rapidly. And even lately, I think like when Ninja played with Drake. I think that was like the the moment Twitch was really thrust into the mainstream and started growing pretty rapidly and with Fortnite and everything else like that. But yeah, I mean, getting those relationships in early and, and talking with people and developing those as the creator grows is like, I think a lot of brands are going to start to realize that soon. And I think it's, yeah, it's super important. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good direction. I think the the age of the micro influencer is kind of coming. Like there totally. are there are a lot of of these smaller kind of tight knit communities that maybe they aren't super massive yet and they haven't really hit that like 100 viewership average. But there are people that are building brands and communities based on like smaller niches that could serve a specific niche really really well and might be able to work with a company and produce some like fantastic results from them just because of the like passion and the engagement of the community itself, even though it's smaller. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the, there, there are definitely no shortage of benefits with, mm -hmm. with micro influencers, right? So a lot of the times with, with smaller creators, uh, the community within that, like that streamers community, a lot of the times it's like super tight knit and like really close. Like everyone's almost each other's friends within that community which is incredibly beneficial for any brand uh, out there. Like, I think the use case for influencer marketing when it started years ago with like when Instagram started becoming popular, 
was exactly that. It's sort of like celebrity endorsement on steroids, you know, with Twitch especially. Uh, like when a streamer streams to their audience and they watch, there is a legitimate connection there between the two. And it's almost like I found myself with, with my favorite streamers that I watch. It almost feels like a friendship. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely, yeah. That, that connection there. And what I'm getting at is with those micro-influencers, with those smaller streamers, that connection is incredibly tight-knit. So that's something that's super beneficial. And yeah, I, I totally get what you mean with, with the niche uh, aspects and whatnot, like a painting brand or something like that. Somebody who sells like paintbrushes or, or paint, like going into that creative community section. And even though the creative streamers might not have 10,000 viewers, working with a ton of those people and getting their brand name in within that community, even though those streamers aren't massive, you know, with 10,000 viewers, it's like super useful for anybody. Yeah, it's almost like it gives you more leverage if if you've kind of niched, and even, even Twitch itself, like Twitch has partnered people that have been smaller than the 75 concurrent viewership. Whenever they see that that person is really bringing a new style of content to the platform because they want to invest in the future of that, and and brands are kind of starting to to have that realization as well. But let's talk about the the brand side of Power Spike. What kind of brands are we are we currently able to work with through that platform? So there are all kinds of brands on Power Spike. So Power Spike essentially allows any brand on the site, apart from brands that like might go against Twitch terms of service, which obviously we don't want because we don't we don't want anybody to get in trouble. But Apart from that, if a brand has like a cool product or service, they can come on PowerSpike and, and run any sort of sponsorship campaign that they want to. So currently we have consumer packaged goods on PowerSpike, like Soylent that you mentioned. I know Soylent has been like crazy, crazy active in Twitch lately, which is like awesome to see. I really love that. Um, so we have consumer packaged goods on PowerSpike. We have gaming companies like Stream Loots and Creative Labs, which sells all sorts of audio equipment. Um, we have shoe brands on Power Spike. It's there, yeah. The, the 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 range of sponsors that you can find on the site is is huge. Um, we're relatively new to the space right now, and we've recently started to kick up our brand onboarding efforts. So new brands join the site all the time, especially with with Twitch's popularity growth over the past few months. We're going to see a ton more brands on the site just looking to experiment with Twitch influencer marketing or whether they even have a, a Twitch influence marketing strategy already put in place. Uh, new brands are joining the site all the time and our streamers are notified every time that happens. Do you feel like there's almost something for everyone at that point? Cause I was actually really shocked. I looked through the site and I was like, oh my God, there's shoes on here. There's <laughs> yeah. shoes. Like the, sh- the shoe people want to work with streamers. That blows my mind. <laughs> there was yeah. toothbrushes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? So- I think so. Right now, it might not be at that point quite yet. But one of the things, especially like I, I keep saying this, but in, in the last few months with the growth of, of Fortnite and, and the popularity of Twitch, like so many brands have started to look at Twitch as an influencer marketing platform. Like in the past, Instagram was kind of the, the holy grail for, for influencer marketing. But now Twitch is breaking into that, main, into that mainstream. And brands that you typically wouldn't even think would be on, on Twitch, like shoe brands or, or something else like that, 
um, they're starting to come into the industry and they're starting to sponsor Twitch streamers. And, you know, the more Twitch grows, the greater, the greater number of brands that we think we're going to have on Power Spike. So yeah, definitely. I would say in the future, we 100% will have something for everybody. That's so great. There's, there's a lot of future potential for the platform, for sure. What kind of, let's, let's talk money, okay? Let's like, how much are people actually being paid for these deals? What's kind of like the normal rate? Sure, yeah, so this is also kind of a, a hot button topic at the moment. So this varies a ton from sponsorship to sponsorship. And it's mostly based on like sponsorship requirements. So some brands are only looking to sponsor streamers to say like play their game for an hour and they would pay a certain rate for that. Um, other brands are looking to place their logo on stream for like, I know some of the larger streamers have, have deals with a lot of larger companies who pay them like a monthly fee to, to place their logo on stream and they pay a certain rate for that. So there are like a ton of different campaign types uh, that are possible within Twitch. So like shout outs, logo placements, playthroughs, product demos, and each within each of those campaign types is almost like a, an entirely different set of requirements that warrants an entirely different payment. Um, so like, you know, like I said, the normal rates for these sponsorships would vary based on the number of requirements for each and the streamer who's completing those requirements. So based on their numbers. So it's tough to give an exact number since there's so many variations. But what we usually like to do for questions like these is to just put it in terms of like a one hour sponsorship. So like if, an in, if a game developer, if a game publisher sponsored someone for one hour to play their game, that's kind of like a simple way to box it in. Uh, it could range anywhere from $100 for smaller streamers for that hour to like $1,000 to $1,500 for larger streamers. So right now, I think probably the average sponsorship price on Power Spike at the moment is probably around $500, $600. Yeah, for about, would you say that's like an hour of just playing a game? Definitely, yeah, some, some, somewhere in there. That's, yeah, that's pretty decent. And that's kind of what I was seeing as well, was like I saw a few that were 500 a few that were 1000 and it's just, if you think about doing sponsorships at that level. I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, I could just do a sponsorship a day and make like a hundred bucks. I'd be able to go full time as the streamer. Oh my yeah. gosh. Like, but it's, we kind of have to balance like sponsorship content versus just content that's like genuine and, and pure and authentic. Right. So how, how do we kind of balance the two, do you think, or, or how have you seen that done from the creators that you've worked with on the platform? Sure. So, so I think it's, it, there's multiple things that come into play here. So the, just the nature of sponsorships themselves, I think they take a little while longer. So for something like a donation or a subscriber, that's kind of like instant and happens, you know, frequently. You know, there's, there's hardly no work that has to go into either side on there. One person clicks a button, types in their email address and they can donate or they click a button and, and subscribe. So those two revenue streams, uh, I think those are pretty instant, but um, for something like a sponsorship and sponsorships typically take a little while longer to actually play out. And uh, from, from the beginning of the sponsorship to getting in contact with the brand to the end where you're being paid for that, it definitely takes a longer time. So 
I, I totally get what you mean. When someone comes on the site, they, they might think like, oh, you could do one a day, get tons of money. Um, but just the nature of those sponsorships, I think, uh, helps balance that out either way. Um, and then the second kind of aspect of that is you mentioned authentic content, which, um, which definitely is something we're passionate about. And I think sponsorships don't always have to I know like there's, it, it's, it's pretty hard to think of promoting a product and not feeling natural. But um, one of the things that I really like to push and that we kind of share at PowerSpec, like a, I guess a mindset, I guess you could say, is choosing the sponsorships that do feel natural to you. So choosing sponsorships that, you know, the product that you're promoting is something that you genuinely like and that you would recommend to a friend in real life. So like I have an app on my phone called Digit and it helps me like save money. I, I downloaded it like two years ago and I like, I genuinely like the app. So I recommend it to my friends all the time just because it's, it's actually helped me in the past. You know, I, I like it. So I recommend it to my friends. And I think it's essentially the same thing where if you genuinely like a product and you like what the brand is doing and you like what they stand for, creating that authentic authentic content around the brand and that natural content is something that's definitely possible, even with sponsorships. So I think it's important to find those types of sponsorships and not to say, if you see a company that you've never used their products or you're not familiar with their brand at all, but then you apply anyway, just because you're looking for quick cash. I think that might be a bad idea in most situations, which kind of raises the question like, what if a sponsorship I want to go after, you know, I haven't had much experience with their brand. And by no means is that kind of canceling the potential for that sponsorship. So like if you have an, a sponsorship opportunity, like a brand reached out to you directly, or you see one on PowerSpike, I think before you consider accepting the sponsorship, if you aren't familiar with their brand, try the product yourself for a week and two weeks, you know, you use it thoroughly and see if it actually provides value to you and if you actually like it. And uh, at that point, you know, you can decide if you genuinely like the product and would actually recommend it to like a friend in real life, accepting that sponsorship is going to be supernatural for you. And I think that's really key when looking for sponsorship opportunities. Yeah, I think so too. I think that authenticity factor is just so freaking important because if you think about it, like the entire way that you've built up this audience in order to like leverage this audience this product that you built up right and you've created it's literally yeah. you're selling it to companies and the way that you built it up was by that authenticity a lot of the time and there are some people that like they're they're not super authentic in their cast but they still build a community but for the most part authenticity right now in content creation is massive. Like we even see it uh, trending on YouTube. Like there are a lot of YouTubers that are coming out and they're, they're creating all of this content about what their lives are really like. And they're kind of like exposing, you know, how YouTube culture has really uh, been negative for them or, or just general life experiences. But authenticity is really powerful. And I think even whenever it comes to sponsorships, when you start thinking at that level, like why would I want to work with a company that I don't truly believe because at the end of the day, the community that I've grown and the things that I've done through this stream and through my content should be my number one investment. Like that should be my number one priority is making sure that those people feel 
like I care about them. And if I'm just working with the company to make some money and I'm not doing it because I truly care about the benefits that they could bring my community, then it's, it's kind of a, like you're detracting from the potential. You're just doing it not because you love the community because you just want to make the money, um, which is, that's okay to make money, I think, as a content creator. But at the same time, we want to do this in, a, in authentic ways that actually bring value to people's lives. So how, do, how does somebody, someone actually start like reaching out to these companies to work with them? Yeah, so there's a, there's a ton of ways that streamers can reach out to companies. Um, I think first and foremost, a lot of companies nowadays actually have like a page dedicated on their site where like streamers can apply to sponsorships, which is super cool. So like one off the top of my head, I think I, uh, is like Razor. I know Razor has a page on their site dedicated to actually sponsoring streamers. So one of the things you can do is just, if you're thinking about looking for, for sponsorship opportunities, brainstorm some of the products that you like. Um, like if you have a keyboard or a mouse or something like that that you really like or a headset or, or anything else, brainstorm some of those products and then actually go on their website, scroll to the footer and see, you know, does this person have a dedicated contact form that people can, you know, contact the brand through for, for sponsorship opportunities. Uh, that's a really great way to find potential sponsors. One, the brainstorming aspect and two, actually going on their website to see uh, if they have a dedicated page for it. Um, you can actually use the same thing. You can use the same method of, of brainstorming products you like, and you can replicate that on social media. So if you have a keyboard, say, that you really like, and you've used it for years, and you're like, this would be a cool sponsorship, what you can do is go on the company's LinkedIn page and view their employees and see if you can find anybody like an influencer marketing manager or, or a marketing manager or something like that and connect with them. Or if they have like a social media profile on, on Twitter, you know, don't be afraid to reach out over Twitter. Establish that connection. Um, and yeah, and obviously there's, there's tons of platforms out there like, like PowerSpike who you can always check back on, see if sponsorship opportunities have come up that interest you. And uh, that's another way to find sponsorships. But um, I would say the best way, at least the way that I like to think about it is brainstorming just every product that you've ever really enjoyed and then making the effort to go out there and see, you know, are they sponsoring Twitch streamers? If they are, contact the person who's sponsoring Twitch streamers, usually under the title of like an influencer marketing manager or something like that. If they aren't, you know, try and establish a connection with the marketing person at that company. Follow them on Twitter, respond to their stuff, grow a relationship with that person and reach out over email. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. and you keep you keep mentioning relationships too, and I feel like that's such an important part of this. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like influencer managers, like a big part of the reason that they make the decisions that they do, it's because they're they're human beings, right? And they're human beings making human decisions. So if you can come at them from the perspective of the the example you gave earlier of kind of marrying that that personality with professionalism, then they're like, oh, this is a likable person. Then I'm more likely to want to work with you because I enjoy you as an individual and I want to grow a relationship with you. Totally. People, yeah, a, a lot of people like to discount that aspect um, because it's one of those things that 
doesn't necessarily give like instant gratification. So whereas like an email to a, a, to a brand, you can email them asking a question and they give a response. It's kind of instant at that point. But that relationship development aspect of it, it's a slow, slow moving over time growth, you know, as all relationships are. So a lot of people feel as though that's not an important aspect of it. But coming from, you know, I was someone who ran sponsorships for a long time. I was in the position of influencer marketing manager at, at PowerSpike for our custom managed campaign. Um, I worked with a guy named named Dan Hevia, and he he's our influencer marketing manager right now. And any of these people, any of these influencer marketing managers that you talk with will confirm like that relationship aspect and that that you know getting to know people and you know becoming friends with them and establishing that connection is like hugely important hugely important as you move on especially if it's a brand that you want to work with a lot over time i can't stress that enough yeah so i'm curious like we know relationships are really important right so should people who are like smaller creators look into working with brands a little bit early, maybe before they hit like 50 or 100 viewers consistently, maybe they start with like an affiliate program or maybe they just like reach out and introduce themselves. Do you feel like that's a good way for them to be spending their time as as smaller creators? Totally. Yeah. So like one of the things that I've seen a lot of streamers do is like if they play, just an example, if they play a game developer's game, so like if, if they really like indie games, and they play this one person's game from an indie development company and they really enjoy it, they'll actually reach out to the person over Twitter, you know, and say, hey, I really like your game. I'm streaming it right now. And then a lot of these indie developers will retweet the, the streamer's tweet and playing the game. Like little things like that, taking the time, even if you're smaller and, and you don't think that right now is a time that you want to be developing relation or sorry, even if you think right now is a time that you don't want to be pursuing sponsorships, establishing those kind of North Star connections in your head. So like, again, brainstorming the products you really love. So like if you have a Logitech mouse you really love, but you feel like you're too small at the moment to pursue a sponsorship with Logitech, there's zero harm. And there's actually a lot of benefit to finding, finding a connection at that company. So reaching out over LinkedIn, reaching out over Twitter, you know, you can establish a Twitter list of people that you engage with on a daily basis to just get your name in front of them, get them to where they know who you are over Twitter. They might even check out your stream a little bit. You might check out your social media profiles. Even establishing that connection is hugely important. So if over a period of three months, you talk a lot with an influencer marketing manager at a specific company, and then you reach out, and use the same name, I would say that person is like a hundred times more likely to respond to your email at that point that you actually reach out to them than someone who's just cold emailing because they know you. You've already established, you know, somewhat of a relationship. I don't know how deep you can go over social media, but you've already established that connection. So even if you feel like you're too small to go after companies, uh, go after sponsorships, I would say it's hundred percent worthwhile to, to you know establish some of those connections at brands. Um, also kind of the, the flip side of that, a surprising number of brands, at least in my experience, have been more than willing to work with smaller streamers with things like product deals of sending free products and affiliate deals. Uh, if that's something that you think might be interesting. So 
like I said before, a lot of these companies have web pages dedicated on their website for streamers who can reach out through those contact forms and get in contact with, with the brands. And a surprising number of those streamers who use those contact forms are smaller streamers who are just interested in, you know, hey, I, I might be a smaller creator, maybe I'm not ready for this, but I'd love to work with you in some way. A lot of these brands are more than willing to establish some sort of product sponsorship or affiliate sponsorship with smaller streamers. So I would definitely encourage, you know, if that's something you're interested in, I, I would definitely encourage still reaching out and establishing a connection, even if nothing comes. Yeah, absolutely. And smaller streamers too, they can do some things to kind of like improve their chances of working with sponsors regardless of size. So is there any like maybe different styles of content or um, different strategies or things that they could do to improve their chances of working with sponsors? Definitely. So there are two things specifically that I think are huge. So I would say improving the like the branding of your stream so a lot of streamers from what i've seen in the past just interacting with a lot of people it may it, it, it's funny sometimes but a lot of people like i'll scroll down to their info section and they'll have like a microsoft paint thing that they made and it's like a joke it, and it's funny but um sometimes you know if a brand stumbles upon your twitch stream while they're discovering new streamers and they see that it might give off the feeling that you're not as professional as someone else, so it might deter some people. Um, I think investing the, the time and money to either create a set of professional graphics for your stream um, is pretty, I think it's very important. Um, and you know, whether the, only, even if you only have like a donate link or a Twitter link, just having some sort of consistent professional graphic under your stream, I think is really important. And also huge thing, is including an email somewhere, either in your social media profile or in your info section on your stream. That's hugely important. Uh, during my time as like an influencer marketing manager at PowerSpike, so many times I, I ran into the situation of like really wanting to work with a streamer at an awesome stream. Everything about it was awesome. Their personality was great. And I couldn't find their email address. And I would search and search and search, couldn't find their email address anywhere. And that, then that ended up with me having to move on. Because either, you know, obviously or understandably, a lot of streamers will have their Twitter DMs locked just so they don't get spam of messages. So can't message them through Twitter. Uh, their tweets are probably, you know, jumbled because they're tweeting every day. They get, a, they get likes and whatnot promoting the stream. So tweeting at them isn't the most effective thing. So you have to go through all this process, try to find their Discord, yada, yada, yada. Point is, having some sort of email address within your contact, uh, within your info section or on your social media pages. Or even if you don't like email, I know a big thing right now is, is Discord. So one of the best ways to get in contact with me even or, or with any other streamers through Discord. So if you don't like email, include a little section in your info, in your info section that says, you know, for sponsorship opportunities, join my Discord and hit me up there. Just providing that easy contact for you, for brands to get in contact with you, is like number one. Number two, I would say, and this is something we've seen a lot, is writing skills. So believe it or not, like a lot of the proposals that have been sent through PowerSpike since we started the company were fairly poorly written. And um, I think writing skills is discounted a lot in, in this aspect because, you know, it's live streaming, it's video. You know what I mean? It's a 
writing skills. What are you talking about? But being able to write a powerful, effective, concise proposal that uses good English and complete sentences and, and whatnot, like that will set you apart so strongly if you message brands on your own or even if brands message you. I'm telling you, like 90% of the streamers who message a brand or who mess- message an influencer marketing manager or email them, I can almost guarantee a lot of them aren't formatting their emails correctly, aren't using complete sentences, don't have proper grammar. It's like really confusing to read the email. And that's a huge turnoff for people, especially when working with or when thinking about working with Twitch influencers. So taking the time to A, install Grammarly, which is like a really cool Chrome app. I use it every day. Uh, it helps with grammar and stuff because like, I don't feel like memorizing grammar rules. I don't think anyone else does unless you really like English. But um, installing Grammarly is huge. And also taking some time to practice writing and practice writing effective proposals. And like, don't get confused with this because a proposal email doesn't have to be more than 150 words or 200 words. So just taking some time, practicing your writing skills, reading some blog posts about writing, I'll tell you right now, a, a nicely written email will set you apart from 90% of everyone else who, who are writing bad emails. That's a, an incredible statistic. <laughs> so that kind of just came up with that off the top of my head, the 90% yeah. thing. But a lot of the proposals I've seen and a lot of the emails I've seen when working with people it is a surprising number of bad news. So, yeah, I'll just, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident in that statistic, but uh, I could be off by a percent or two. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. That doesn't surprise me at all, honestly. Uh, I've been the, on the receiving end of a few of those as well, and it's, it's, it's very interesting to see some yeah. of the things that are sent your way. How do we yeah. actually make a, like, what should we include in a good proposal email? Definitely. So, the number one thing that I would conclude, or so there are actually a couple of things here. So firstly, I would say trying to convey a little bit of your personality within the proposal email when you're writing it is really important. So just, you know, if you're a humorous person, maybe add like a light joke in there or something like that. That's super important. But for the actual structure of the proposal email and the, and the parts of that email, I would say, first off, give like a short introduction of who you are who you are as a streamer, some of your base statistics like average concurrent viewership and whatnot, what your community is like, that's really important. So that can be like an opener to the email. But the most important part of a proposal email, if you're sending it out to a brand, is focusing on how you as a streamer are providing value to the brand. So a lot of the proposals that we observe through PowerSpike, so many of them approach it with the mindset of like, how the brand is helping them. So like, we'll see a lot of people who come on and say, I'd really love to be sponsored by you. I love your products. It would mean so much to me if you know if you sent me your products. I'm trying to be a full-time streamer. It would support me a lot. And all those things are great, but they already know that. The brand already knows that their money is going to help you. So getting in the mindset of providing value to the brand and the certain, how the certain aspects of your stream are going to help that brand reach their goals or reach their marketing goals, whatever they may be, that's super important. So one of the things you can do is, is like go on a company's social media page. So 
like you can data mine the heck out, out of a social a company's social media. So like if if you see they recently launched a new product, you can fairly certain you, you can you can assume to a pretty high degree that that company is probably looking to push that product a lot around their their product launch. So if they just launched a new product, they're probably going to try and get that out there to provide results to the higher ups of the company. So that's something you can include in your stream or in your proposal email. So including a little bit about how you have a great community, how you have an average concurrent viewership of X or Y and how that's going to help them increase the effectiveness of this new product launch. Something like that, like taking the time to research, you know, the marketing goals of the company, even if you aren't getting them exactly right, because you can't really ever get them exactly right, that will set you apart so much. Um, or like if you go on their social media page and you notice that they only have 10, 30 followers or something like that, you can you can probably bet that that brand is notices that and they're trying to grow that aspect. So if you find those little bits and pieces in there where you think like, oh, this is probably a goal of the brand, like a marketing goal of the brand, include that in there and focus on how your stream in particular is going to be the thing that helps them reach that goal. And I think that's that's hugely important. Yeah, that's incredible. I think that's honestly the the one of the biggest pieces of information that you could give is just make sure that that you're thinking of this in terms of just being mutually beneficial, right? Because you're you don't you don't build a community with the expectation of like, hey, I've got these people now, give me stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you do it because um, you want to to serve people, and you do it with that same uh, intention whenever you look to reach out to companies as well. I think that's Definitely. amazing. So cool. we've we've now like we've sent this proposal and maybe the company has responded back and they're like, yeah, we actually would really be interested in talking about working with you. So what does that conversation look like at that point? Because that's really whenever you start talking about uh, the financial aspect and like how much you're going to be receiving versus how many like conversions you're expected to provide. So how does a streamer really determine at that point how much they should charge to work with a company? Definitely. So pricing, that's kind of like the golden question of, of Twitch influencer marketing. Right yeah. Now. So how to price yourself as a streamer is like the number one thing that a lot of people ask me. And it's the number one thing that everyone has struggled with in the industry. Because if you search on Google, as I'm sure, you know, if, if you've ever wanted to go after sponsorships, I'm sure you'd search on Google at some point, like how do I price myself as a streamer? How much do Twitch streamers get paid for sponsorships? There are literally zero resources on this. So it's super frustrating. Um, but yeah, I, I, I prepared a few different ways that, that streamers can actually price themselves. Um, I'd say to start off, I think if you're at that lower viewer account and uh, you're not too confident in your ability to, to get sponsored or whatnot, I think negotiating a paid sponsorship is going to be tough for you in particular. So I would say setting your expectations towards something like a product sponsorship or an affiliate deal or something similar like that, it's going to be a lot easier for, for you to land those sponsorships if that's something you're interested in. But um, for some of the guys, for, for, for those of you who feel like you're ready to start pursuing sponsorships, there are a few different ways that you can go about this. So there's actually like sort of like an industry accepted pricing formula that's based on the minutes of sponsored content that the streamer is providing to the brand and in, in relation to the ACB. 
which is average concurrent view risk. So the formula that you could use for something like this is average concurrent viewership times minutes of sponsored content times 0 0.01. So if a streamer has like 200 ACV and they're looking to do an hour sponsorship, that would be 200 times 60, because 60 minutes in an hour times 0 0.01, which comes down to about 120 bucks for that hour. And from the sponsorships that we've run on PowerSpec in the past, and from what we've seen with other people, this seems to be like a relatively accurate price. And it's, if, if anything, it's a really good starting point. So as the streamer's ACV increases, that 0.1 sometimes gets changed to a 0.2. So like for streamers above 1,000 ACV or 1,500 ACV, that 0.1 would change to a 0.2. But yeah, that's kind of the details of that. Um, I'd be happy to post this uh, somewhere in a tweet or something where I can send it to you for, for your chat to actually check it out. But just to say it again, it's average concurrent viewership times minutes of sponsored content times 0 0.01. So I know some other people in the, in the industry have used that before, and that might be a way that you could gauge. You know, if you're totally clueless about how to, how to price yourself, you've never had sponsorship in the past, I would probably start with something like that. Um, another way that you can sort of gauge how much you should be pricing is to ask streamer friends in the space. So if you have someone in the space that you, you're friends with, they're, they're a streamer, they've been sponsored before, reach out to them and say, hey, you know, for, for this sponsorship, I noticed you were sponsored by X game developed in the past for one hour of sponsored content. If you don't mind me asking, how much, you know, if I wanted to do something like that, how much do you think I should be paid for that? Or how much did you, what was your experience with that sponsorship? Reaching out to people, getting their feedback, learning from them, some of the more experienced people who have who've been sponsored along the past. That's another way you can do it. And then lastly, I would say with any price that's gauged, whether it be through the simple little equation I gave, whether it be through asking someone else, I would say just trust your gut. And this is how a lot of streamers go about it nowadays is price yourself at the price that you'd be satisfied with completing the sponsored content for and stay confident in that price. Obviously, you should be willing to negotiate here and there. Um, but I would say, like, if you see a price that either a brand reaches out to you and offers something, and like your first reaction is like, oh, that's pretty low. I don't know if I'm going to do that. It's probably pretty low. And then from there, you can, you can kind of judge, like, okay, this price is low. Ask yourself, how much, if, if I were to accept the sponsorship, how much would I want to do it for? And you can kind of use your gut feeling that way. And uh, yeah, obviously things like the little equation work. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just based on, the, it's on a person-to-person -person basis, how much how much they'd be comfortable completing the sponsored content for. And if everybody's happy in negotiation and everybody gets what they want, then to me, that's, that's a successful sponsorship. Yeah, so it's almost like the average is, I think it kind of equates to like one cent per minute per viewer. Something like that. Kind of yeah, around that area. But then depending on like what you're doing and and the level of professionalism and uniqueness yeah. and of course community size, that can vary a lot. So definitely. That's that's where it starts to get confusing. So the the pricing equation I just gave is in the case that the, the sponsored content you're doing is just a simple hour of promotion. You're just playing a game for an hour on stream. It's pretty simple. 
in reality, there are going to be some things thrown at you, like, you know, whether that be posting sponsored links in the chat, or having a graphic on stream, or having a graphic below your info section, or giving a shout out as opposed to a, a one hour sponsorship. All these different things are going to kind of muddy the water a little bit. And I would say at that point, um, I would rely more on asking people that you know, and also trusting your gut. So if, if the sponsorship requirements are something that's like super strenuous and like really hard to do, obviously that's going to raise your price a lot. And you'll just have to ask yourself in, in situations like that, you know, these sponsorship requirements are hard, but I want to complete the sponsorship. How much would I be willing to do it for? Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. So I have a couple of more questions for you before we jump into our Q&A portion of sure. our interview here. So there's something that has kind of been brought up a few times, and I think there there should probably be a bit more of a dialogue around this. So, and that, that thing is whenever streamers promote companies for free. And this happens a lot with streamers that they get involved in an affiliate relationship for a company. And I think in some situations, they just don't really understand uh, that affiliate is different from a, a pure sponsorship. And they will, they'll take that affiliate relationship and they'll start promoting that company in so many places. They'll put them in their Twitter bio. They'll devote an entire like panel section on their stream. They'll put them on YouTube. They'll make videos for them and podcasts for them. And they just go really, really above and beyond. And I'm curious if you feel like people doing that, does that kind of hurt their chances of being paid by that brand or other brands in the future? Yeah, so that's, that's a super interesting question. Uh, I think just to start off, I think as a general rule, I would discourage streamers from promoting a brand without any form of compensation. So I know a lot of people, um, they might offer you exposure or just not give you any sort of potential for compensation. I think for sponsorship like those, I would just stay away from those. You know, they're not really worth it at all um, to go after. But for things like affiliate deals and product sponsorships, it definitely is interesting. And I think, you know, as for whether a precedent is set when a streamer receives that compensation, that's not necessarily like immediately monetary, like if it's not an upfront payment, it's a bit of an iffy answer there. Because on in some cases, you know, a person who's more willing to, to take advantage of someone for, you know, like I gave you this affiliate code in the past, and then they think that that streamer is always going to promote them for that affiliate, no matter how much they grow. Um, I think it really does come down to a person by person basis at that point. I think in some cases, it could set a precedent for streamers um, to, to, to never move past that form of compensation and on to like the upfront payment conversation. But I think this is also where negotiation skills come in. So a brand might not want to pay you if they've only sent you products in the past. They might want to stay in that safe spot where you've done it for them before and they don't really want to move past that because you've done it for them before, that kind of thing. But if you've grown since that sponsorship happens, if your viewership has grown, if your community has grown, or if you've been working together for a long time, even if you don't have crazy growth numbers, but you've been working with the brand for a long time, being able to present that information that information of your stream's growth and your community growth in a strategic way, in a concise way, in a way that benefits everyone, is going to help the process of switching from those non-monetary compensation sponsorships 
over to an upfront paid sponsorship. So I would say in that case, it's tough to say whether a precedent is set. It might be in some cases, but in the situation that it that it is, having those negotiation skills to back up your stream growth numbers and to back up, you know, when you reach out to them and say, hey, you know, it's time for me to start, you know, getting upfront payment for these sponsorships. Knowing how to present that information is is super valuable. I think it's gonna help a lot. Yeah. I think that negotiation side, those negotiation negotiation skills just come in so handy and so many times and experiences during this entire process. Yeah. What totally. how do we how do we negotiate like our worth and how do we how do we have that conversation with brands? Definitely. So I think the most important part of negotiation, say in the case that you've been sponsored by affiliate, you you know, you have an affiliate sponsorship in the past when you're looking to move past that affiliate sponsorship. I think first and foremost, approaching the brand in a manner that isn't negative is like the very the, the core underlying aspect of negotiation. So not going to the brand and saying, hey, you know, I haven't been paid for this and it's time for me to get paid. You should do this right now. Like pretty negatively, you, you know what I mean? Like approaching it in a way that comes from a point of providing value to everyone. So you know, approaching them and saying like, hey, we've worked together for a really long time. I've really loved working with you throughout this time. You know, you've been great to work with. We've had good sponsored streams together or whatever. Um, and then presenting yourself, presenting the growth that you've had or your, or your reasons for uh, wanting to move past that affiliate sponsorship. So whether it be your stream has grown in the past and you're getting sponsorships from other people that are paid, so if you have an affiliate sponsorship, your stream grew and you start to get other sponsorships, you can leverage those other sponsorships in the negotiation process. So saying, hey, you know, I, I would love to keep working with you. You've been an awesome brand so far. We've worked together, yada, yada, yada. But my stream has grown quite a lot in the past. And I think this stream growth can help can help everyone provide more numbers to the brand. And if I start taking on upfront payment sponsorships, I'll be more enthusiastic to promote your brand. That that that's going to give me the resources I, I need to start promoting this in different places. Your brand is going to see a lot more action. A lot more eyes are going to be on that. And overall, we're just going to have a lot healthier of a relationship as I move forward and as as we grow together as streamer and brand. And then also, like like I said, if you have some of those other sponsorships that that have come in, I think using those not in a negative way, but using those as leverage to, to kind of push, you know, push that aspect, push that side of the argument. Whereas like, you know, I've grown a lot in the past. I'm now receiving sponsorship offers from other people and I'd love to do the same with you. So I think first and foremost, approaching it in a positive light and getting it in a way to both sides are benefiting is hugely important. And I think that's kind of the core the core nature of these negotiations is coming to a point where there's no hostility and everyone is happy. But figuring out a way to, even though you ask, are asking to be paid, show them the benefits of that payment. Or if you're asking for a pay raise, if you've if you've been you know paid in the past and you want to be paid more, show them the exact benefits of how that's going to help you and how it's going to help them. You present it in the most logical and clear way as possible. And I think you're going to have good luck negotiating. That's so good. It really just, it goes back to be a 
uh, have good soft skills, really, like have those develop those soft skills and just be a good person and, and have a good relationship with people, yeah. I think. So we're going to go ahead and, and gear up for the Q&A portion of this podcast cool. interview. So if you all have any questions, feel free to throw them on out there right now. I know we had a couple come through chat, and I hope you're still here, R5, because I know you were wanting to ask a couple of questions. My last question for you, though, is... What is your number one tip for streamers looking to work with sponsors? Definitely. So I think the number one tip, it, it's been said, but I think I, I just have to say this again, is focus on how you're, providing, how you're providing value to sponsors rather than how they're going to provide value to you. So brands already know that, the, that their payment is going to help you in some way and that their support is going to help you the question you have to ask yourself is what aspects of my stream are going to allow the brand to reach their goals? What aspects can I bring to the table to give value to them? And I think when you approach sponsorships with that mindset, you're going to see vastly more success than you would if you come from the, the you're helping me kind of mindset. So that would be my yeah. I love that so much. So our five family craft asked, how would a family be sponsored? A family? Yeah, so, so, is it like a... so R5 actually streams on Mixer, and okay. he streams with his wife, and there, it was three three kids, I think, two or three kids, and the way that they do it is their viewers are actually allowed to, like, choose which camera is biggest and which stream is kind of, like, which person's kind of taking over the stream, and they can switch between them based on just what's going on in the games, and it's a, it's a way for all of them just as a family to spend some time together. It's a pretty, like, unique thing that I've never seen before. Yeah, that um, is interesting. Yeah, yeah. So how would, how would that work for an entire family to be sponsored? So I think as long as it's contained within one stream, so if each, if each of the yeah. family members are still streaming on one stream, I think you can essentially treat it as just a normal, as a normal sponsorship. So if, if you can package the, the, the channel as a whole and present your numbers in a way, like, yeah, I, th I think it's just, as long as it's on one channel, you can pretty much use the same tactics with reaching out. Um, if each family member were split into different streams, I think it would be a lot harder to try and convince a brand or to, to communicate that value since the numbers might be dispersed across multiple channels. But um, yeah, I think as long as it's in one channel, um, you should be good to go about it normally. As for like creative things that you might do for the sponsorships, I can think of a, a number of different things you might do. For instance, like if you wanted a product sponsorship, um, you know, each family member gets a different, uh, if, if a brand sends you products or something like that, you could, each family member could get a different product and then the, the Twitch or the, sorry, the Mixer users could type commands in the chat to switch over, sponsored commands in the chat to switch over to which webcam they want. You might be able to do something like that. But um, yeah, that, that's definitely interesting. That's a definitely an interesting stream idea. And I think with that stream idea, if you brainstorm a few ways that you can do a sponsorship creatively that way, I think you you can leverage that definitely to a brand because brands are always looking to do creative sponsorships. You know, the, yeah. the run of the mill uh, shout out you know might not work as effectively now, but if it's something fun that all, all the viewers can enjoy, I think you can definitely leverage that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing too is that. 
You, um, okay, so I think R5 actually checked out Power Spike, yeah. uh, and it looked like everything was for Twitch. Do you all work with Mixer streamers at all? Yeah, so this um, this has been something we have definitely focused on a lot over the past few months. So ever since Power Spike started, uh, we have been solely on Twitch. Um, we just recently came out of beta for the platform. And with that, one of the things that we're focusing on is going cross-platform and supporting platforms like Mixer or like YouTube Live or, or something like that. So we don't currently have that right now, but it's 100% on, on, our, on our roadmap. So we definitely plan to have that. That's awesome. And then the next question was from Death Eating Queen. My boyfriend wants me to manage the business side of his YouTube and Twitch stream. Would it be acceptable to reach out to sponsors as his manager, or would I write out a proposal as if it was him speaking? Ooh, yeah, it's a good question. question. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's in that situation, I think you're essentially acting as like his agent in a way. So one it's very, very common in the industry, especially for larger streamers, to have agents. And I think if you're reaching out on behalf of him, so you're writing emails to brand managers for him, I think that's perfectly normal. Um, I probably wouldn't, uh, probably wouldn't write emails as if you were him. I think it's it's perfectly normal to say, you know, hey, I, I, I manage a lot of the business side of the relationship for this streamer, and um, just go about it normally like that. Um, Agents are super common, like I said, in the industry. So having, you know, if a brand manager sees that, they're not going to think twice about it. They'll, they'll understand. Yeah. And that's really nice, too, whenever, you are, <laughs> whenever you're a streamer or just a content creator in general that has so much on their plate. Like, Definitely, yeah. some of us are, are creating in multiple different ways, like with the podcast or with, you know, maybe we're on YouTube as well, and we're doing that, and we're streaming, and we're working on our own businesses. And, yeah. and having someone to kind of take that responsibility off of our plate is so, so helpful. So I even if, that. like, yeah, and I think even if you're, like, not super large, that it's still totally fine because as long as that person is going to be respectful and represent you well you know maybe it's it's okay in that situation because then the the creator is able to focus on creating the thing that's actually growing them definitely i mean if you have somebody in your life that's willing to do that for you i think there's no harm in that at all if you're a busy person and you you would prefer that business side of streaming to be taken care of elsewhere there's definitely no harm in that no matter what size streamer you are um and then if you don't have somebody in your life like that, you might want to weigh the pros and cons of, of paying someone to do that for you. I know a lot of people in, in the business world have like virtual assistants that they, that they pay to do just some tasks that they don't want to do themselves. Um, yeah, if, if you're spending a lot of time on the business side of it, you can kind of put it in terms of like how much time you're spending and how much would that, you know, how much, how much would that come out to if, you, if that were a wage or if you were being paid $10, $15 an hour to spend that time writing emails or whatever. And then however much time you're spending on that, you can kind of judge whether or not hiring someone else that for you would be valuable. And if it is, totally, yeah. No matter the size of the streamer, I think if it's valuable for you, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Mataberry asked, for someone in a more niche community like creative, is 50 concurrent viewers still the recommended amount to begin reaching out for sponsorships? That's a good question. Um, I would say for someone in a niche community like creative, you could probably start a little 
even if you don't have 50 concurrence, I think you could start a little below that um, just because of the nature of the commun creative community. Like I said before, there are some larger streamers in creative, but overall as a community it is more niche, which means there's not as many viewers in there. So I think brands understand that. And um, yeah, so I would say you could lower that down a little bit. Um, I still, I would still recommend growing your audience a little bit. So maybe 20, 30 concurrent viewers before you start reaching out. But, but yeah, I'd say something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So what's something that, this is like my own personal question. <laughs> As, you know, in your position, you've worked with Power Spike for a while and you used to do um, the Power Spike sponsorship side and now you're doing like content community management for them. So what, mm -hmm. is, what is something that you've learned throughout just your career with Power Spike that you feel like more streamers need to know about? That's a great question. <laughs> I would say... The biggest thing, especially when when reaching out to streamers, I know I brought this up earlier, and there's there's a few other points I can make, but having that contact information available is super important. But also, like one of the things that I've learned is so important coming from that brand manager aspect is responsiveness. So when I oh, would send so an email, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So if when I would send an email to someone. Um, and it would take two weeks to get back. One of the things that a lot of people don't really understand about that is if you take a week to, to get back to me or if you take two weeks to get back to me, there's a good chance that the, the hiring period for that sponsorship is just gonna be open by that time. So being responsive to, to emails or to Discord messages, you know, as soon as you can get to it, get to it and you're gonna have such an easier time getting sponsored by just by just being responsive. I think two about a week ago, two weeks ago, one of my coworkers who's now managing sponsorships for Power Spike posted a picture in like our general Slack channel of a streamer who got back to him after two months of of unresponsiveness. Oh gosh. And at that point it's just like, why well, even bother sending the email response at that point? I, I don't even know. But yeah. Um coming from that side of the of the of the equation being like that brand manager person for a little bit and knowing like sometimes how quickly that hiring period can be for new sponsorships it's super important to get to those emails get to those messages as, as quickly as possible yeah which is sometimes like from the creator's perspective difficult because the emails yeah. pile up yeah. so much and all the dms everywhere and the discord messages and the everything else like yeah uh, there's so much to do <laughs> definitely so i think there's actually there's there might be a thing in gmail that can actually filter out emails from specific people i'm not sure i think there might be a chrome plugin for this or a gmail plugin or, or something like that that can that can read the emails of people and place them in a separate folder based on how important it thinks the emails are. I can't think of the name of it right now, but it might be worth Googling something like that. Um, and also just like anytime someone reaches out to you and you notice that it's a brand manager, like add them as a friend in Google or, or star their name or whatever email contact you're using, you know, any way that you can ensure that you're going to see their email the next time they send an email, definitely take the time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I need to I need to look that thing up. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try and find a link right after this. I can't remember the name. Yeah, 
yeah, we'll have to exactly. include that in like the show notes for everyone because, yeah, that would <laughs> I'm sure that would be pretty useful. <laughs> yeah, um, anomaly had a question as well. We did cover this, but just to kind of re restate this, um, when is a good time to start reaching out? So yeah, um, I think it's a two-sided equation here. I think when you personally feel like you're ready to start reaching out for sponsorships, that's that's an important aspect of the equation. And also when your screen growth kind of matches that, uh, that feeling. So one of the things that I mentioned was uh, Twitch Creator Camp actually just came out with a segment about sponsorships. And before then, the industry was kind of hesitant to give an answer to this question of when should you start looking for sponsorships. Um, within Twitch Creator Camp, I think the recommended number of average concurrent viewers that they kind of set the precedent for was around 100 average concurrent viewers. Is I, I think at that point, if you have 100 concurrent viewers, I think you're definitely ready um, from the from the numbers standpoint, and then you only have to determine whether you're ready from, from, from your person. But um, in terms of us at Power Spike and, and from what we've worked with, with um, you know, from all the streamers we've worked with in the past, I would, I think I would lower that number down to 50, just because we've worked with a lot of streamers around that ACV range, and we've seen a ton of success that way. So, so yeah, first and foremost, I would make sure that you're personally ready and you feel like that's something you want to do. And after that, I would just um, grow your community to a point that kind of matches that. That's perfect. Thank you so much for coming on today. Where can everybody find you and, and find Power Spike? Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, yeah. So Power Spike, you can, you can find the website at powerspike.tv and you can find our social media at, I think it's powerspike underscore. So it's like a little lightning bolt icon. I'm, I'm sure if you search it on Twitter, you can find it there. Um, I also manage the social media accounts for, for Power Spike and I post a lot of stupid things on there. So <laughs> if that's something you like, we post a lot of stupid things. And we also post some helpful things. So like uh, one of the things we do is we write a lot of, a lot of blog articles and we, we post a lot of content that helps people with sponsorships. So if that's something that you're interested in knowing on an ongoing process, you want to learn more about that, I would definitely uh, check out the blog. I think there's a link to our blog on our website. And, uh, but yeah, that's where you can find it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. You can reach Aaron on Twitter at Marsden Aaron if you have any questions. And I actually did get the URL wrong in the very beginning of this episode. It's not powerspike.com. It's powerspike.tv. So if you head over there, make sure that you use a .tv, not .com. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on the platform you're listening to this podcast on and leave us a comment if you could. I'd really, really appreciate that. It actually does help a lot of people find the show. That's one of the best things that you can do if you love the podcast. Okay, that's it. I will see you all next week. I love you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Stream Coach Podcast. See you next week.